When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting. The A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind to Raw. I am John Pollock. And he is Wei Ting. Hello, Wei. Hey, John. What's up? How you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing good. <laughs> okay, good. It was a good good day. Uh, yeah, it was a very, very busy day. But it was a good day. Yeah, yeah. A lot going on, eh? Like what? Uh, I carved a pumpkin tonight. Oh. Yeah. What was the design? Um, so, so Max picked out this design that was just like... Expert level, like he pulled up this image. I'm like, there's, there's no way I am capable of doing this. So then he found a more moderate one. Uh, It turned out pretty well. It's like angry looking pumpkin. I thought it turned out pretty well, to be quite honest. I, I had some solid carving skills. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. What, what on a scale of one to ten, like ten being maybe the one that was impossible. Like how, how much, how difficult was this one? Oh, this was a, yeah, you know, a three, four out of ten. Yeah, I mean, okay. pumpkins aren't, you know, you're not staying up late at night studying here. It's uh Okay, I'd love to see it. Will, will you Instagram this pumpkin? Uh, probably not, no. But um, <laughs> you're welcome to uh, come by and on Halloween night and, and you can see it for yourself. Okay, all right, cool. I, I, you know, I never do the pumpkin thing, unfortunately. I don't, I'm, I don't really get much into the spirit at all. I don't really decorate. I don't even know if I'll be giving out candy this year. I, I, you're not even going to give out candy, no. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Why? Um... It's You're just a homeowner not now. You're, you should be obligated to do this. Come on. Yeah, I don't know. Just the COVID thing. Don't, don't still... be. Don't be that family that's like, oh, that's those are the tings. The lights are always <laughs> out. We don't. We don't even bother going to their house. Yeah, I, it doesn't really bother me if they feel that way <laughs> about about my house. But it, I mean, what about this... when you grew up? Did your parents like give out candy? Yeah, yeah, from time okay. to time. Yeah. So keep the tradition going. Yeah, maybe next year. Maybe next year. This like what are, are people taking precautions at all due to due to COVID or or what? Like what's going on here? What's okay, so we we went to this. Um, there's there's this house in the area that's like all done up. It's crazy. Like it gets tourists and people are constantly going to this house. And we were uh we went there on the weekend, and they have this thing called a candy funnel, where on Halloween night these kids will come. They'll put their bag up to this funnel. That they just pour the candy down, but I would imagine that there's not going to be. I, I I don't know. Last year they they were super cautious when it came to all this stuff. Like they just put stuff out onto the uh, onto people's like porch for people to take, but there was actually no like hand to hand contact. I don't know if people are going to be as cautious this year. Maybe not this year. I mean, they, like kids are going to school for crying out loud. And I think I think it's like there is you know reasonable uh, you know. Precautions, and, but you know, live a little too. Yeah, totally. And 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 I, I mean, I imagine masking will be quite popular during uh, Halloween, anyway. Yeah, yeah. I don't, uh, man. It's almost like people have almost two years now worth of like terrible uh, pop culture references to get out on on Halloween this year. So I look forward to all the photos uh, that will emerge Halloween night of people, uh, what they're dressing up as. What do you think the big costumes are going to be this year? Well, I mean, I think I think Squid Game. I think on every block you're going to see a Squid Game. I imagine going to a club if you're going to go out 
a third of the place will be a squid game costumes. Um, but what are, what are the other big pop culture ones? Um, probably be a lot of Ted Lasso's this year. Mm, okay. That's an easy one to do. That's, a, that's an easy one. Not for me, but for some people. Um, uh, what, what, what else could, could people be that, uh, that really jumps out at you this year? I'm so and, and, out of touch. It, I have no idea. Chat room. Let us know. What are the popular costumes? Well, on that note, let's move on. Yeah. Uh, this is how like old we're getting like, well, it's also, it's also looking for things that, uh, make relevant costume ideas as well. Like sometimes it's, uh, something can be popular, but how are you going to encapsulate that into a, into a costume? Yeah, sure. Like, you know, COVID. Well, that's where everyone um, wants to go, right? It feels, it feels kind of, uh, okay. We, we've got the joke by now. If, if mm-hmm. that's your, uh, oh, I'm wearing a mask. Oh, wow. That's, that's. Clever. This is why I don't take part. All of this. I'm yeah. just, I've had enough. This conversation is enough. All right. We'll move on then. Uh, this week on the schedule, uh, Way and I are going to be reviewing WrestleMania 19. That's coming out Tuesday for all Post Wrestling Cafe subscribers. Way has not sat down and even watched a minute of this WrestleMania yet. Am I wrong? You are not. No. You oh. know me very well. So that, that's what I will be doing after this. This man and, uh, is tomorrow just, morning. He, he lives on the edge. Okay, folks. Yeah. Every day is Halloween. Okay. It's, it's trick or treat every single time that we have a rewind away, but, uh, that, that's what way we'll be doing. I'm trying to free. build up these bags under my eyes. You know, I'm trying to peek these bags under my eyes for the 31st. It took, it took me over 10 days to watch this show, to find time to watch this, this behemoth. Well, uh, it's four hours. I, I hope to carve out sometime between now and noon when we record tomorrow. What a play on words. Uh, then on Wednesday, we're back to rewind a dynamite uh, back to its its Wednesday night slot live from coast to coast in the U.S. as we will get to in the news. So we will be live at 1015 Eastern time, 715 Pacific, 815 Mountain time if you would like to join us live. And then uh, throughout the rest of the week, we have Bushby and Thompson's Wrestling Adventure on Thursday. This week, they are going to be chatting King of the Ring 2002. We've got Rewind to SmackDown Friday night for all patrons. And then a UFC post show on Saturday with myself and Phil Chertok. And we round things out with WH Park on Post Perez this Sunday. Yeah. Awesome. Very busy week. It's a very busy week. So, uh, do go check out the Post Wrestling Cafe, the website, all that great stuff. And stay tuned because we have lots of cool stuff planned for the month of November. It's going to be a November to remember. Not December, hopefully. No, 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 no. That's December. Uh, let's get into some news items. Uh, today, WWE released its pay-per-view calendar for the coming year. And... It's a, it's a very interesting layout where they have uh, placed uh, what what the, they have here. It's They kind of promoted this as like the, the full schedule. It's really not the full schedule because they readily admit that there are some items that are omitted here. Mainly the cards for February and October, uh, which are expected to be the cards in Saudi Arabia. But those were not on the schedule. So... For the month of January, of course, we have the two shows, which are going to be Day One and Royal Rumble, both Saturday night events. Then you've got that event in February, 
And then nothing until WrestleMania, which will in fact be a two-night event from AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, Saturday, April 2nd, Sunday, April 3rd. Uh, let's stop there, Way. Your assessment of the two-night WrestleMania concept continuing for a third straight year in Texas. I think it was to be expected. Um, I, I'm not against it whatsoever. I think we've seen from these past two years, they have made for better experiences, at least watching at home. I can't necessarily speak for people who might be attending, you know, that venue two days in a row, but at least for watching it as a four hour experience versus a seven hour experience, I think it's a lot better. It's a lot better for the talent. It's a lot better for the quality of the match and the show overall. I think so, too. I mean, I greatly prefer this concept. I think the last two years were received very well in comparison to the marathon shows that WrestleMania had become. I think it's better for the performers. And quite frankly, they, they're they not just doing this out of the goodness of their heart so that performers have match time. They're going to do two monster gates for these shows. Even if they don't fill the stadium both nights, it's going to be an enormously profitable weekend for the company. And it's another night of premium content on Peacock. So this, I I think it made a whole lot of sense to continue this. The only question was just booking such a large venue for back-to-back nights. But I don't think that's, if you are someone that is setting out to make a, a, to get one of these travel packages and go to Texas, odds are a lot of people are going to just go to a second night of WWE if it's WrestleMania. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you're you're there to kind of make a whole week out of this event. And in the past, it might have been TakeOver on that Saturday. And now it's another WrestleMania. So I think it makes sense from all those perspectives. After WrestleMania, the next show listed is Sunday, May 8th. Uh, no title for the show, but that will be at the ever prestigious Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence, Rhode Island. That has nabbed a WWE pay-per-view. Uh, then the All-State Arena on Sunday, June 5th. And then that is the last... Sunday night card that the WWE has announced. They're only listing WrestleMania and then the May and June cards for Sunday nights. Of course, WrestleMania will be the Saturday-Sunday combo. The rest are all Saturday nights. And we saw this back in August for SummerSlam and Nick Khan's rationale that running in Vegas, it's better suited for a Saturday night big event than a Sunday. If they want to be attracting people coming to Vegas And it was a big success for them. And I wonder if that's a lot of the thinking here is trying to make these destination weekends and that Saturday is going to, obviously they took away from SummerSlam, not just from Las Vegas specific, but Saturday night was a very advantageous night for them uh, that they're going to explore for a lot of their shows next year. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense in terms of Vegas. And, I'm, you know, I mean, AEW has shown that it's a very viable experiment and changing the date doesn't necessarily have any impact on your audience. Your audience will follow wherever you on either of the days that you decide to go. So, yeah, I, I, I wonder, you know, do you think that there's maybe uh, openings um, or, or maybe is it more competitive um, to, to book these time slots with these buildings? It's it's more so interesting in in the sense that you are booking all of these shows, and I would imagine WWE and UFC probably don't want to run counter to each other with like major events. Like certainly you're going to run on fight nights. That's a given because they're running every weekend. But for major pay-per-views, I would think that UFC and WWE probably want to square off their, their weekends and not uh, run against each other. Um, that would be my, my thinking. They're here. thinking of us, really. You. 
in the it, people who you know, I'm sure they called up Phil Chertok and said, listen, what, what is the most ideal here for, for the schedule? So July is another one that's going to have two shows. Money in the Bank, which we knew about, gets a firm date now of July the 2nd uh, with Allegiant Stadium in Vegas for Money in the Bank. And then four weeks later, they will run SummerSlam for the first time in the month of July on July 30th at Nissan Stadium in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, Nissan Stadium, Nashville, Tennessee. How many how many people does that seat? I mean, it's it's where the Titans play, so it's a it's an NFL stadium. It's a, it's a very big venue. Uh, you know, it's a stadium. So yeah, uh, well, Wikipedia suggests sixty nine thousand. So I mean that that might be very different for uh, pro wrestling, but it's a big one, and they must be quite confident in a in a SummerSlam this year. Nothing listed for August, and then the next one, it's. Kind of this floating date of either Saturday, September 3rd, or Sunday, September 4th, with a pay-per-view at a location to be announced. Uh, Now, there had been reports out about the WWE looking at running a pay-per-view in the UK, and Fightful uh, reported today that that looks to be what this ends up being. So, that one's interesting for a lot of reasons. Mainly, it's Labor Day weekend. So, we are looking at the likelihood of both WWE and AEW with pay-per-views, not only the same weekend, but if, if they in fact are running the UK and have to run it in the afternoon, our time, it could be the same day as all out. Yes, but not head to head, which is what I think some people thought when they originally saw the schedule, not maybe hearing about the UK aspect of it. Um, In which case, you know, it's. Do you see this as a as a move, or was it simply a matter of scheduling? I mean, it is interesting seeing Labor Day weekend. I I do not look at this as like just squarely. Um, like I I don't see how it's especially if you're running the UK. It's not like fans are necessarily having to choose between going to one or going the other. It's <laughs> it's two different continents. Um, what this is, if you do in fact, and we don't even know if they'll end up being the same day. But even if so, the time zone is not going to make you have to even force yourself to watch one over the other. This is kind of the idea of what the pay-per-view providers wanted with that very first uh, Survivor Series and Starcade, where one would be in the afternoon, one would be in the evening, and then WWF pulled the power play saying any cable providers that carry Starcade cannot carry next year's WrestleMania. And you had like everyone bail on Starcade, save for like five providers. It was a very predatory move. In this one, I mean, either they'll be on separate days, but the same weekend, or if they're on the same days, providing it's in the UK, you're it's just going to be a real long day of of wrestling between the two. But it is interesting to see them run on Labor Day weekend because if you remember several years ago, Chris Jericho shared the story that he spoke to Vince McMahon about All In, and Vince's reaction was that Labor Day, that's not a good weekend to run. And obviously they, they proved it, uh, th- that theory incorrect. But anyway, it looks like they will, uh, they will go ahead and run Labor Day weekend, which if, if you're running in the UK, like that's going to be one of the hottest crowds of the year for WWE. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Is it Labor Day in the UK as well? Um, they have, oh. <laughs> don't 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 quiz Somebody me on, let us know. on bank holidays and what it is over there um and then it rounds out with survivor series on saturday november 26th labor uh, in day Boston. Is, i believe so uh labor day in the uk is actually the first of may 
or the first Monday of May. So uh, it'll just be Saturday or Sunday in the UK, I guess. So there you go. That is uh, that's the lineup with you know still the additions of the the Saudi Arabia cards in here, and also figuring out like that May and June show that don't have titles. Um, which pay per view concepts they're keeping? Which ones are not going to be there? It looks like no elimination chamber. And then the question is like of your themed you ha- themed events. You have Extreme Rules, TLC, Hell in a Cell. Like what stays, what goes, uh, what what are used for those May and June shows, or even the September one. I don't. I wouldn't see them uh, branding. If you go to the UK, it almost should be its own thing rather than. I mean, you can name it whatever you want, I guess, but. Is it interesting that we don't see anything right now between January and, and April, or is it simply them not announcing something at the moment? Well, you will have the Saudi Arabia show in between there, but it looks like that mm. will be the only one between them, which I'm I'm fine with. I think that having um, just the one show in between is a lot easier. You are running two pay-per-views in January. Um, I, I think it's better to have the long build towards WrestleMania. It's, it's kind of a surprising move for a company that it seemed to be more, 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 but I think you're you're seeing more of a kind of staggered pay-per-view schedule now. Yeah, yeah. I'm very curious to see how they treat the, you know, what used to be the spot for the Elimination Chamber, uh, whether or not it's, you know, we we just have sort of one, like whether that, they could always, I guess, put it on TV, you know, make a big TV rating out of it. Yeah, or you, you could certainly see that where the TV get like, so we're getting into it tonight where it's like you're seeing more and more like big emphasis on, on television matches. It also can put a lot more focus on that Saudi Arabia show in February. That is a lot of your setup for WrestleMania angles. Like it makes that show more important because it's the only one in between the Rumble and WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Plenty of Saturday night shows next year, way. All right. Let's move on to... Uh, well, a less dramatic uh, Friday night series of numbers. SmackDown was back on Fox, so they did 2,249,000 viewers and a 0.58, viewers uh, per Showbuzz Daily and WrestleNomics. So they were the number one network show, but it was the ALCS game that dominated television on Friday night going against both SmackDown and Rampage. You also had two NBA games that did very strong on cable. Rampage... Uh, in the meantime, did 533,000 viewers with a 0.22, 288,000 viewers in the demo. Uh, they were down 8% in both categories from the week prior. So still on the lower end, but not as low as that number from two weeks ago that Rampage had. That was their all-time low. Uh, but they were not against WWE competition this week. However, we have seen the dent that uh, Major League Baseball has taken and that will continue this week because you've got the World Series on Wednesday against Dynamite and you'll have the World Series on Friday night, which is the reason SmackDown is on FS1. Do you think that Rampage can do anything to increase what seems to be sort of like a, you know, bottoming out floor for them at this point? Like, does anything that they put on their shows change? perhaps where they are. I I think this is sort of, I, I think we'll have a better understanding or a clearer picture once baseball is done and seeing really what, what impact is that having on, on rampage and SmackDown as well. Uh, I would, I would apply it to them as well, but I mean, with rampage, it's like what it has going against it to me is you've got 
a tough time slot on Friday nights, and you've also got two days to promote a card, of which most weeks you are going to get results out there, which is, I don't think that's a, that's a huge factor, but it's there. Um, like this, this seems to be the range that, that we are seeing, unless they have some big, you know, just over the top match to put on there that is gigantic. It seems like they are comfortable putting like a piece there, like Danielson against X or CM Punk against Y. Um, and we we saw this was like the effect too of like the word of mouth. Like this is what word of mouth for Andrade and Pac was able to to generate for them. Like that's that's going to be an audience that is probably already a rampage viewer that is hearing all the rave reviews about a quality in ring match. Yeah. Ultimately I feel like especially if you're trying to, you know, chase the demo, um people have options on a Friday night and oftentimes, you know, you will be taking those options and then watching wrestling after the fact, if you do even decide to watch it. So, um, I, you know, other than hot shotting a big return or a big match from time to time, I mean, I, I have to imagine this is where they might be sitting at. And I don't know if TNT would be upset. I don't, if you're, you're getting a top 10 cable program in a slot that, I mean, it's, it's, doing much more than whatever other option you have from 10 till 11. I think you're looking at like the obvious comparison is going to be to dynamite, but I think like you are not going to be able to do dynamite numbers on, on Friday night, unless, Mm -hmm. you know, the the first dance was something that that's only going to come around. God knows when they'll have something uh, of that scale uh, once again, but that's not going to be the norm. And we knew it wouldn't be. Uh, by the way, the, the ALCS game, it did, in comparison, 5.8 million viewers, and in the demo, a 1.29. So that is what they were contending with on Friday night. Um, how do you think the World Series is going to wind up? Are you going Are you going with Houston? Oh, so that's why they were so rabid tonight. Yeah. The promo. Uh, I don't know. Who are they playing? Uh, they're, they're playing... Uh... <laughs> Doesn't matter. Houston, sure. Go Houston. Beat Boston. Oh, they're playing the Braves. It was on the top of my uh, top of my head. Okay, Atlanta or, the, or Houston? Who's your pick right now? Houston. In how many? Uh, games? Atlanta. I don't man. Um, sixty. Sixty. In sixty games. games. Yeah, they're gonna just go to the endless draws. It's gonna oh, that, be crazy. That, that, that's gonna be rough. I mean, yeah. if Raw goes up against Game Thirty, um, that could be really tough. Mm-hmm. Best of uh, best of sixty. All right, let's. Uh, are you watching Halloween Havoc on Tuesday night, Way? Yes, I will be. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'll be watching it live on Tuesday. I've been watching NXT like on Wednesday during the day. Um, this is this is, I think, the most noteworthy NXT of this this 2.0 era mm-hmm. that we've got. Um, you know, the show did a really good number last year. They've never hit the number that they did of Halloween Havoc since last year. So this is. Um, how much is this just on the lineup, the main event, uh, and the Halloween Havoc concept that was a big winner last year? You you're suggesting uh like the success of the show? How much of it is based like the on- interest level? How much is it just the theme? Because the theme like it did a lot better than I thought it would last year. People that were just I think the name sold it for them. I think you know there are a lot of questions probably going into last year's show about how much nostalgia they'll be throwing in, what exactly they'll be doing related to the concept itself. For me, I don't really have those questions this year. I think I expect a very similar presentation to what they did last year with the wheel and some kind of campy ghouls. Um, maybe, you know, uh, level three carved pumpkins, you know, around the edges, perhaps. 
But my curiosity is more so around how they book the talent. I mean, my curiosity for this entire NXT 2.0 experiment has been to really kind of gauge what the philosophical decisions are for new talent within the WWE system. And I think this will be a big tell, you know, on a takeover, I would say, you know, maybe slightly below a takeover, but I think the perception is it's a big show. Therefore it should be of the match quality that you would get at a takeover. Uh, you're still getting a lot of the top talent on, on, uh, on on uh on this uh, uh roster so but you know who's going to win these matches um what other debuts or surprises will we get i think that'll be the most interesting aspects of this show we're gonna get that dude who's um digging up graves in the in the graveyard uh i don't remember that guy oh they've been running these vignettes for some dude in a graveyard that's uh supposed to be debuting this uh guys yeah he's coming to to bury everyone yeah, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, but, that's right. Chucky, Chucky's gonna have a cameo. Yeah, doing something. So, uh, Tommaso Ciampa versus Braun Breaker for the NXT Championship, and then we've got Raquel Gonzalez, Vandy Rose, spinning the wheel, make the deal match for the Women's Championship. We got Io Shirai and Zoe Stark defending the Tag Team Championships against Indy Hartwell and Persia Perota and Toxic Attraction. Any update on a uh, on um uh, uh Gigi Dolan? Or sorry, JC Jane. JC Jane. Jane. I mean, the, WWE did not put out anything regarding her her status uh, afterwards, so it looks like she's in the match. It's a lot uh, unless match. unless they shoot some angle at the beginning. I mean, not I'm not crazy about this this being a ladder match. Um, it mm-hmm. seems like this is the match that um, uh, I don't know. We will see. It's it's a big test for a lot of the people on this card, and that includes MSK versus Imperium. And we know I think that'll very likely be very good. So that should be a really great match um, yeah. if if they have the the time. But yeah, this is a show to shoot a lot of angles, and I think a lot of curiosity about the Champa Braun Breaker match. It's certainly the biggest test for Braun Breaker um, because you would think that this has to be you know ten fifteen minutes, um, and that's you know going to really be a test to see where he's at. And I think that. I don't think they put the title on him this early, but if they do, it's not going to stun me either. Um, that will just mm-hmm. tell you that they're really fast-forwarding their plans, and Braun Breaker is going to be the focus of this brand. Whether he wins or loses, he is the guy that this brand is you know, certainly being catered to and, and built around. And what can he do in a main event of an NXT major show in a 15-minute match, we presume, against a Tommaso Ciampa? Um, let's see. It's a, it's a great opponent to have if mm-hmm. you want to go out and have that that kind of a big match, that big kind of breakout performance. So, yeah, I think all eyes are on uh, Braun Breaker and, to a lesser degree, Chucky on Tuesday night. Uh, so this came out after after the hard push on Saturday Night Dynamite about the adjustment to the TNT schedule because of NHL hockey. So the plan, was, as of Saturday, was that those on the West Coast would get Dynamite at 10 p.m. their time and 11 p.m. Mountain Time. So this would mean that uh, viewers in those two time zones would have to wait until the NHL coverage was completed on TNT, which would include all the all the post-game coverage as well. And then uh, AEW would begin. And of course, you're at the mercy of live sports and if it would end on time. So today, Tony Khan announced that TNT is going to be broadcasting Dynamite live across the country. So that means those in the Pacific time zone will now get the show from 5 till 7 p.m. And in the Mountain time zone from 6 till 8 p.m. So it's it's the better option. Um, you know, the best case scenario was 
a staggered feed where everyone's getting it at eight o'clock, even though it's on a delay for maximum viewership. I think that was the most ideal um, placement for it. But if you're if you have to maneuver around NHL, I think it's you're better served early than late. And it also makes it very DVR proof in the sense that you can just set your DVR for two hours. You're not going to miss it. You're not getting bumped at five o'clock, whereas you set your DVR for 10 till 12 and the game goes a half hour late. You're going to miss half of the show and that will be aggravating for viewers. So it's not the most ideal scenario for AEW, but I think this is a better fit for them than what they were facing 48 hours ago. Do you think with the move to TBS, they keep this? Or will they have a chance to go staggered? I think TBS is a staggered feed, if I'm not mistaken. So I, I'm sure that they will. I, I think it goes back to a staggered feed. I'll double check on that. But that I believe on t- TBS, it would be a staggered feed. But for live sports, it airs live. So like, hmm. it's not like they're airing the Atlanta Braves on a staggered feed. So it's interesting that TNT is viewing Dynamite enough of a priority that it is treating it now as live sports that it's got to air live and not like a scripted drama where it would just be um, airing on airing on delay for a portion of the country. And, and how would that affect Rampage where, I mean, airing at seven on the West coast would presumably be good. Uh, th- this is only for dynamite. Yeah. And it, would they consider it for Rampage? Oh, I, I see what you, <clears throat> what you mean. Um, I think for for them it's it's right now it's airing at I, I I can't even tell you because I don't even know the like the the TBS uh structure but certainly like if this turns out to be something where they are seeing their live viewership um grow and there's a positive to this I I could see it applying to both, both programs. Let me just say I would love to watch Dynamite at 5 p.m. on a I'd love to watch Raw on a 5 p.m. on a Monday, on a weekday. Then I could be done this show like by like 8 o'clock, uh, and I would have my whole life ahead of me. You know, I could go out. like 5, would five o'clock would kill, would kill me, so um, that, it would be impossible for me. But um, Well, you could move to Asia, perhaps, and you can get this done in the morning. Well, there's um, it's, it's the UFC shows that I, I get envious of the West Coast. Mm, right. We're sitting down to record at like one thirty in the morning. It's like, man, I could I could definitely turn my clock back three hours. That would be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there you go. Congratulations to all the people on the on the West Coast and Mountain Time. You can now race home from work and get dynamite at five or six o'clock. You thought you were having dinner with your family on a Wednesday? No. Forget it. Okay, you're eating dinner with the elite. Hangman Page, the family's gonna hear cowboy shit all throughout the dinner uh, when you guys sit down. So get used to that, family. And the last thing is that Tuesday as well, AEW Dark will feature Brian Danielson's debut on the program, wrestling Aaron Solo. Uh, they taped something like forty nine matches on Sunday at Universal Studios over two sessions. I'm I'm very fascinated to know like you know what Tony Khan is thinking with all of this content. I mean, we have heard him discuss. Uh, he's future. building a library. I think yeah. that's that's a part of it. Yeah, and he's he's and a lot of indie talent getting getting paydays. So good, great. I mean, there's if you just look at the lists here. I mean, this is it's just an insane list of matches um, over over one day. He is aggressively building up that tape library. I mean, he's not buying other people's content. He is 
building his own at an alarmingly fast rate. So, and all of this footage, I think, in the future will hopefully receive a lot more interest with the people people advancing their careers. Um, so, um, sure, I'm sure there's some curiosity. And Tuesday also features the debut of Too Fast, Too Fuego. Yeah, that is correct. Um, should we? I mean, spoiler. Any spoilers? Who do you think? Um, the the other guy with a with a dream tattoo on his uh, <laughs> on his on his front. Yes. Uh, so there you go. There is all of your news. You can go to postwrestling.com for all the latest uh, headlines and such. But it's time now for the season premiere of Raw. Uh, did you go back and binge the last season before tonight? Oh, you know, I love my uh, season binges. Yeah, I had a party here. We sat through all 52 episodes. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, you started, uh, would you start at Hell in a Cell last year and just worked your way through the rest of uh, the Drew title reign and into the new year? Mm-hmm. Some characters that uh, left along the way. Yeah, well, it had nothing on season 14, of course. Oh, yeah, you season know? 14. That was a yeah, that was really the pinnacle. You got to start from the for season one, though. Come on, if you're going to binge raw. <laughs> Could you imagine that? <laughs> you imagine sitting down. I'm going to I'm going to catch up on raw. <laughs> <laughs> Some season one. Yeah. Somebody who has no knowledge of like what wrestling is like, oh, can you recommend a TV show? <laughs> raw. Yeah. It, it would be a fun <laughs> exercise for somebody to that has never watched WWE that they sit down and you give them like. Seven episodes of Raw, starting in 93, and you jump, like, three-year intervals, and, like, what they try... Like, this is all the same program, and this is what it evolves or devolves into, depending on how... Could you imagine that? Like, you go from... Oh. Excuse me? Remind me, season premiere tonight. Yeah. Could I imagine it? No, not so much. I mean, I, I do think, like, there are pivotal points, and I think for most people, that's WrestleMania. You know, like that, that really is what people will, will watch to perhaps catch up into the present day. No, it's, um, it's the Labor Day edition of Raw. That's those are the pinpoints of the year. Right. OK. Yes. All right. Let's uh, start off with the show from the Toyota Center in Houston, Texas. Big E came out and man, he was just putting over Houston, the home of DJ Screw. That is right. Yeah. And then uh, getting a big reaction. DJ Screw was. Wow. How old was he when he died? I have no idea. I'd like 21 years ago. Wow. Are you a big DJ screw fan? Uh, no, I, I, I looked at a, he was like the one that put out like 3000, like mixtapes or something. Not yeah. 3000, more like 300, but nonetheless. Yeah. It didn't, I mean, I, you probably know more than me actually. I'm stunned. I thought, I thought, I thought maybe DJ screw was up your alley. Uh, he also wished the Astros luck put over Xavier Woods Tipped his hat to Drew McIntyre for pushing him to be better. And then Seth came out. And Seth wants the next title shot. And I couldn't believe this. Biggie shut him down saying, you lost to Edge. Why do you get the title shot? That would that would make no sense. And Biggie tells him to get to the back of the line. So Rey Mysterio comes out. And he addresses Seth. Clearly your vision is impaired. After getting your head bashed in by Edge. It's been a minute since we've seen eye to eye. It's like the groans that I felt watching this. And he deserves a title shot. And then we got 
the resume showcase where each guy came out and listed every title that they have won. Uh, Finn Balor came out. He went through all of his titles. And then Kevin Owens came out and noted that he won the Universal title here in Houston and pinned Seth Rollins, Cruella DeVille himself, to win that title. They all fight, and Sonya DeVille makes a fatal four-way ladder match for tonight where the winner will get the next title shot at Big E. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a pretty by-the-numbers build to tonight's main event, but I think it was a chance for us to see what the top names here might be on this show. I love the fact that it was Big E who was the first one who came here to speak. You know, he really felt like he was the new face of this show, and he should be as the new champion. Um, but I've it also struck me like how how much they directly really just kind of trade rosters. I mean, everybody in this segment was from SmackDown, including Big E. But you know they and, had and a- all of these contenders like they seem to like all be coming off like fairly significant like defeat like Rollins just lost to Edge, Owens has been losing to Corbin every week, but I guess that doesn't count since he's on Raw now, and Balor just just lost to King of the Ring. Oh, they're all losers. Yeah, there's no real. Ray was realistic. bounced out in like the first round of the tournament, so it was like we kind of got. <laughs> where are all the winners? <laughs> I'm Why isn't Edge getting a title shot? Edge should get the shot. It's true, yeah. They're they're part-time, I guess. But I, I do think they should have had some explanation as to why Edge is not here. Mm. Yeah. Like, if this match I was guess. so brutal, he was the winner. And the loser is, like, thriving. I think, like... I do think, like, those sometimes are holes in the show that just require an explanation of some sort. Right, right. Anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's a good-looking mix, I have to say. You know, just in terms of talent, these five. And well, uh, we we got a fantastic match out of this, um, mm-hmm. and it'll be interesting to see how much this this holds the the audience as well. This was not a a giant NFL game they were going against. No baseball, so in theory, um, they should certainly be bouncing back from from last week's uh, terrible number. The Street Profits, Elf Academy, and Ziggler and Rude were having a triple threat match where the winners will face RK Bro later tonight. And every AJ Styles and Omos fan was just on their knees yelling, why? <laughs> Get zero explanation. I don't even know why they announce matches. Why don't they just say, this is what we're hoping, okay? We're, we're, we're penciling these just, names just, in. Just tell me we're going to get a face-to-face. That's all you have to say. That's what they should always do. Always face to face. Although they couldn't even deliver that because AJ wasn't even on the show tonight. Um, you're right. Yeah. So I, I don't know what the story was there. So Orton and Riddle are watching in the back. The Street Profits clear the ring. Um, this this got pretty good. Uh, although there was this one spot where Ziggler runs at Montez Ford and Ford blocks him and hits a power bomb. So Otis comes into the ring, drags Ziggler to the corner to tag Ziggler and come in. Corey Graves says, this is brilliant. It's like, is it? Because Ziggler is the one who took the powerbomb. Wouldn't you drag Ford and then go pin the guy that just took the powerbomb? That would be the brilliant maneuver, would not? Instead, you tagged out the, the guy that was just murdered here. Um... I mean, I guess they know that the power bomb was not going to do do it, not going to finish the job. 
Well, Otis and Gable had some some good double-team offense here, including Otis delivering a discus lariat to Dawkins into a bridging German by Gable, which is broken up by a splash by Ford off the top. This was great. And Ford got up, Tope Kanhiro to Otis on the floor, and Omos comes out, catches Ford and throws him into the barricade, nails Dawkins with the right hand of death, and he gets hit with a spinebuster zigzag combo as Rude and Ziggler prevail, and they were really putting over the power in Omos's right hand, like he was Fedor on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How was that knockout? Spectacular. I mean, right. it was it was a pretty impressive performance from uh, from Fedor. A lot of people counted him out, myself included. I thought it was a pretty fine, you know, pretty consistent raw multi man match. Um, centered around making the baby faces look good and setting up tonight's main event as well as or tonight's um title tag team title match as well as the uh, AJ Olmos Street Profits feud. Pretty predictable, but I mean overall effective. Then it was time for Queen Zelina's coronation. She is introduced as the first official queen in WWE. And Vega takes issue with how she was introduced by Mike Rome. So we're doing uh, the Shane McMahon, Greg Hamilton gimmick over again. So she wants him to redo it with more bravado. I thought he did a pretty good job, actually. I think he always does a good job. Sure. Vega, so her new character, she is fully embracing the queen gimmick. And this included, like, slipping in and out of a, of an accent. Yeah, of an English accent, yeah. It was a little odd. The like fact she would, that she... She would she start like, it, and then she would stop it. Yeah, it was very inconsistent. And I can only imagine this is might have been the first day that she's attempted uh, something like this. <laughs> she was um, told at 4 o'clock, you've got an accent now. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, getting a New Yorker to... To do a British accent, I mean, I mean that's that's part of the comedy, right? But it was so inconsistent that I almost wasn't entirely sure that she was attempting it, but she definitely was. Yeah, I mean, it was it was obvious at certain points, but then c- completely regular voice in other par- parts of this. Uh, and this was probably like the longest promo she's been given in <laughs> since, since like a we're year fi- and a half ago when finally, she was. We're finally going to give you mic time, but you're going to have to do it in a British accent. So she says none of the other women in the locker room had a chance in this tournament. They're all watching in the back. She will be ruthless like Cleopatra. All hail Queen Zelina. And Dewdrop interrupts for a very short match where Zelina won using the MX. Or Sorry, first she she hit the the MX, Bushi's move, off the second turnbuckle for a two count. And then she removed the turnbuckle padding like Toriano. And then the referee got distracted like an evil match. And then she used the scepter like she was Yujiro and pinned Dewdrop in 232. Oh, wow. Very good. I could see the influence here. Yeah, totally. She's a fan of, uh, I think, Dick Togo's style and Ghetto's assistance. You know, I'm I'm certainly happy to see Zelina get pushed. I mean, out of everybody in these brackets for the Queen's Crown, I thought for sure she'd be one of the names picked off very early because there was zero indication that the WWE had any intent on pushing her since her return. Uh, It seems like this is definitely somewhat of a push. I guess I'm just a little disappointed that it has to be in the form of such a generic at this point, King slash queen gimmick that the WWE likes to do after every single one of these King of the Ring tournaments. Uh, we are seeing something a little bit different, I guess, with Woods doing a babyface version of this. But this is about as, you know, King Corbin, uh, King Booker, like as you can get here, you know, just uh, 
the the just the person it's all it's all you could have expected i mean i just based on the lineups i think that's what is to be expected here i mean for for zelina it's it's something for her like this is still a a positive for her um but but i just i feel like you can win a king of the ring or queen of the ring tournament and just be the king by name like you wake up a different person way you are not the same individual you go through it's like uh it's like Lord of the Rings. You put that ring on. I just don't think you have to be a literal king. Like you could be a top <laughs> heel and carry a scepter or carry a crown even. But, you know, all this shit about like calling people peasants and like, you know, you have to fall within my kingdom. Like, come on. Like that's unnecessary. And and the fact that we have to get one all the time now, you know, I, I would say this this whole tournament has been terrible. Okay. But on the male side of things, I, I think it's at least turned, and even on the female side of things, Zelina can actually turn out to be a really good um, character with this gimmick, sure. But I also imagine they're probably going to do this again next year, being in Saudi Arabia and having a show called Crown Jewel. Does this mean we're going to get one of these every year? Like we're going to get a king, two to two of these every year? A new king, a new queen having to do one of these painful things every every year? They're going to have to be a bit more original, and Zelina's going to have to, you know, really try to find a way to to make this gimmick her own and not just a retread of the others. Could you imagine if this this happened in, like, real sports where, like, you win, like, a major golf tournament or, like, a grand slam in tennis, and suddenly you become, like, a different person? Like, you you assume, like, an accent, and you just act completely different. You win the Stanley Cup, and everybody changes their name to Stanley? Yeah, and you and you have a drinking problem from a large cup. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Becky Lynch comes out. She has never lost this Raw Women's title. No one has beaten her for it since she won it at WrestleMania 35. I've been making headlines ever since coming back last week. But it says, <laughs> from Crown Jewel, of course. <laughs> and she sent Bianca Belair packing and knows that the fans don't want to see Belair with the title. The audience, I think she was expecting, like, loud boos. Like, no, of course we want Bianca. Dude, silence. Like, they were like, okay. Oh, she is the biggest baby face in pro wrestling coming it's out like, this weekend. We're not going to take the bait from her. It's like, we're. it was not the reaction I think she expected. And then goes off to say, you want to see me face the other women? Like, Rhea Ripley, Liv Morgan. Like, non- non-reactions here. Um, it was not a good start to this, or at least of what was intended. I also thought it really trivialized Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan, but I mean, that's uh, she is a heel, so maybe you can chalk that up to just trash talk. Well, it picked up when Belair came out, and she goes over all of her recent wins, including just without any context, I beat Charlotte Flair last week on Raw. <laughs> it's like, I think there's an asterisk there at the at the very least of how you beat Charlotte Flair last week. She, she, said, she did say, like, I technically beat her. Something to uh, that effect. Um... I, I guess so. Yeah, I did. I did get a, a weapon attack by Charlotte last week, so I beat her. She said that Becky's twenty six seconds of fame are up, and so is her title reign. Lynch compared photos of the two of them after Crown Jewel, stating Belair has the face of a loser. And then Belair gets real serious. She says that Becky is just trying to hide her true feelings that she was actually hurt, that the people are more behind her than when Becky came back. And that Becky is the one searching for validation. And all you have is that title. And if you're not enough with it, you're nothing without it. 
And even without the title, I'm still the EST. And you will never be that. You are not the smartest because I see right through you. So it's either shut up or run up because I want my match for the women's title right here tonight. And Belair thinks about this and then tells Bianca, get to the back of the line, bitch. And they start brawling and Becky gets sent over the announcer's desk where a conveniently placed kendo stick is laying at the feet of Corey Graves. And Becky comes to attack with the kendo stick. Belair stops her. Tries for the KOD, but gets her eyes gouged. And then, in a tribute to one Jim Fullington, Becky ends the segment with the white Russian leg sweep. And Becky agrees to a rematch, just not tonight. So, this this segment, it certainly had its uh, its rough patches at the beginning. But I thought when Belair got really serious, I thought this was a great promo from Bianca. And I, I think Becky is, you know, typically... A really solid promo, but I, I like the segment overall. I thought by the end of it, this was a really good segment. I thought Bianca said it great. Her delivery was awesome. And yeah, maybe we can kind of, you know, take, have some criticism with the logic. But I mean, this is the story that they are trying to tell. And I think strictly uh, from a performance standpoint, I think Bianca Belair was very, very strong here. Um, definitely worthy of the spot that she has been given now as the top baby face on the women's side of things on Raw. They're directly transplanting this feud from SmackDown over to Raw for a different audience. And uh, I I see no no issues here. Like this was, it still feels hot and still feels fresh enough for another match. Kevin Owens met with Finn Balor. He said he respects Balor very much, but I have to win this match tonight. And they agree. It's every man for himself. So they're, they're not going to fix this match. No one's going to lay down for the other guy. No one's going to go against the script. Yes. They're going to have a fight. Damian Priest versus T-Bar. T-Bar. Damian, we missed yes. T-Bar. Yeah, this was quite the... Um, <laughs> Damian Priest immediately goes for the reckoning, but uh, T-Bar, who used to be teammates with reckoning was ready for this and blocked it she is back on raw too um that's they right her, they showed her she in the was graphic. on the graphic what did mm-hmm. they list her as what was her name on the graphic mia okay just mia mm-hmm. so t-bar hit this discus boot and priest hits uh or sorry then follows with a backbreaker and goes for the moonsault off the top gets a two count t-bar is then clotheslined for the to the floor and t-bar gets pissed and he was probably thinking, where's that kendo stick that was here? But the kendo stick's gone. So the guy took the office chair and launched it at Damien Priest. This was grounds for a disqualification. And Damien Priest snapped. He dropped this chair on T-Bar. And then he beat the shit out of this guy for like minutes on end, ending with the reckoning. I mean, he... I guess this is our excuse to do this match again, but he just like dusted this dude. I mean, what what is the challenge that is left for Damian Priest to overcome? I have no idea. Um, I don't know. Maybe I get the sense like for for these season premiere shows, they just want their push stars to beat on some random body, and T Bar happens to be that random body. <laughs> like so. if they come back with a rematch, like why couldn't T Bar get the get the better of this this brawl at the end? Like, well. I mean, in the end, it's not really supposed to push. T- this is not you're not supposed to be even paying attention to T-Bar coming out of this. You know, then don't give me another match of theirs because 
I don't. I, you're telling me I don't need. I don't want to see it. The idea, I think, behind this segment was to show Damien Priest at an elevated level. You know, this is supposed to be Super Saiyan Damien Priest, where he actually got pissed off and increased his intensity a bit more. And, um, uh, you know, I guess, I guess to you that wasn't necessarily accurately conveyed, but I think that was the uh, the intent. I'm not really sure if the audience cared um, or really got that either, but I, I I do think this was their way of trying to increase Damien Priest's intensity uh, that it was i was obviously the objective like damien priest is the star here and t-bar at best is probably going to get one more match or or maybe five um but either way damien priest will beat him each time perhaps carmella's in the back with her mask she is the diamond of wwe Liv morgan is just a jealous hater that has followed her from smackdown but she's got a plan feels like i'm just watching smackdown sometimes I mean, this is really the, the transplanted program. program. They wrestled a million times on SmackDown, and now they are going to start their Raw chapter. We finally got a promo for SmackDown on FS1, although they have announced nothing for the show beyond it is the new era on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Carmella and Liv Morgan, uh, they came out, and Carmella put on the mask and then hit her with a right hand as Corey yelled, Look out, Tyson Fury! And Carmella kicked her out of the corner and they go to the floor. Liv tries to send Carmella into the desk. She stops it, then gets her face rammed into the desk. And Liv makes a crack at Corey uh, with the new the new engaged couple, Corey and Carmella. And yeah, yeah and they're acknowledging this, like not directly, they weren't being but, overt with it, but you know, certainly making reference to it. Yeah, yeah. So in the ring, there's an inside cradle attempt, and then Carmella just spins over Liv into a face buster. And beats her, and that's it. Well, um, I, you know this Liv Morgan push is I don't I don't even know if we can really. Call I don't it think a it push. is a push. <laughs> yeah, like she just seems like she she gets a little bit of fire. She might get some mic time, and then they just kind of completely drop any momentum they have with her. Uh, she to me like would have been was probably like a leading choice for me to at least make it to the finals of this Queen's Crown, and um, instead just kind of became another person in there. And it's looking like even in this. Didn't program, you lose to Carmella in the in the Queen's Crown? I think. I, I I think so. Something like that. Yeah. And then Carmella lost to Zelina. But anyway, but um, if she is ultimately supposed to come out of this, uh, uh, you know, looking better or or becoming a victor, I I I'm not really seeing it. I mean, we're talking almost like a month into this program now. Um, instead, it I mean, it really does feel like it is a program for Carmella to get her over with this mass character, which again is another trope of theirs that they seem to love, you know, okay. You have your King pile and you have your mask pile, like the vain heel who wears a mask pile. And this, this month it's, it's two different people wearing those, donning those gimmicks, but whatever. It's a, it's a reintroduction to Carmela on raw. Um, so we, we continue where we left off on SmackDown. Well, next was the return to Raw of one Keith Bearcat Lee. Mm-hmm. One of the most interesting characters in this company. So Keith Lee is now Keith Bearcat Lee. Is he even it, Keith anymore? Like, do they just call him Bearcat? They call him all three. Yeah, he. Okay. it's Keith Bearcat Lee. They have not dropped Keith yet. Although that feels like the doctrine that Keith is not long for this world. Probably not, no. So, (laughs) it seems like the direction is, Keith, 
you are a bear now. Like, what do you mean? I have the instinct of a bear. I have the ferocity of a bear. It's like, no, you are a bear mm-hmm. that is going to maul your opponent and you are to roar and act like you are a bear in the wild. Well, where, does the cat, just, where does a cat come in then? Well, he's a um, – he's got cat-like reflexes for a bear. Okay. And so, he loves to snuggle. He comes out and he roars – on his way to the ring. And Corey Graves explains that Cedric Alexander has momentum on his side. It's like, please explain, Corey. He said, well, he's coming off that loss with Shelton to the Usos <laughs> on the kickoff. But it was a really good match. <laughs> it's like, what? If you were to define momentum, the polar, the polar bear opposite of the definition of momentum has been this guy's last six months. That has been Cedric Alexander. He his he could not spell momentum with what he has done over the last six months. He has been free falling. There is no momentum behind oh, this man. individual. Well, maybe he. Um, I sometimes yeah. wonder if Corey says a line that he realizes midway through is. It's like, that's not even true, but I've committed. So now I've got to justify this somehow. Like, he's got momentum on his side. He just lost to the Usos. It was good. (laughs) Uh, It is a challenge. Yeah. So (laughs) um, I will say um, Alexander at least got to kick this guy. I didn't even think we were going to get to see Lee uh, sell. He's building some great momentum. He got a kick in. He kicked him. He kicked him. It's like the uh, the guy that's uh, I don't know. He um, nothing's gonna stop him now yeah. after this kick. Yeah, it's like when you're uh, when you're you're trying to stop somebody and they they put up resistance and you you kick them. It's like he did get a kick in. He goes for a handspring and dude uh, Lee just runs this guy over and lifts him up. Jackhammer two twenty eight and then he stared down Shelton. Shelton, you don't want any of Bearcat Lee. Uh, so he leaves with Cedric Alexander and the Hurt Business. They are they are hurting. Yeah, yeah. But if you're Corey, I mean this this was only this was great. This was awesome. It was a good match. Business. Momentum <laughs> continues for Cedric Alexander. No, unfortunately, I think you know if if anybody got their hopes up of a of a genuine uh, reignition of the hurt business as this sort of you know great heel faction, I mean, this kind of just told you that they're really in the same spot um, that they were even before reforming. They're just kind of jobbers and again bodies to showcase the the actual people that they're intending on pushing. And thankfully, one of those names happens to be Keith Lee. He just had to sacrifice his name to get it, but so whatever. Like if the matches are good, I think we, I'll I'll take this Bearcat silliness, you know. Have him come out with the ears, like so what, whatever. Just have him wrestle. <laughs> he's he's gonna morph in front of our eyes. Ray is hanging out with Dominic in the locker room. They are on the same brand, and uh, Dominic tells his dad, "You've got this tonight in the ladder match." Austin Theory walks in, asking, "Where are the towels?" And he wants a selfie with his hero, Ray, but says, instead of a selfie, can you take it, Dominic? I'm not a photographer, and this is not your locker room. So Austin challenges Dominic. You're on. And Dominic tells Dad, I'll take care of this on my own. You've got enough on your plate. But God damn it, 
I am not a photographer. You know, um, I think the greatest acquisition uh, from either brand throughout this WWE draft has certainly been Dominic coming to WWE Raw. If anything, because it means that people who are not patrons of the Post Wrestling Cafe can finally get to hear John Pollock's impression of Dominic Mysterio on a weekly basis. Coming to Monday nights. Coming to Monday nights. This was so great. Um, For all the wrong reasons, perhaps. But it shocked me to realize that Dominic is actually older than Austin Theory. Is he really? How old is Dominic? They're both 24, but Dominic is older by a few months. Well, they had a match together, and it only went three minutes. Uh, Theory hit this drop kick in the corner, and then did the Eddie Guerrero shuffle, and then Dominic did the same thing. Theory stops a wheelbarrow into a backbreaker, and then Dominic gets some offense, bulldog off the turnbuckle, and then gets dropped on the top rope, ATL for the win in 257. I just thought, like, Dominic's offense, it's... It's hit and miss. It's I watch this guy and I just feel this is somebody that is in WWE way too early. This is someone who should be out there working all over the place. And I just think that it is, you know, this is kind of like the deep end on on the main roster. And I just look at he's been Dom- he's he's been doing good. To be fair, like he's he's been, been in tags. Him a lot. He's been in tags, and now they're they're splitting this team up. And I think in a singles capacity, I just don't know if this guy is necessarily, if is this the best improve place to be improving on raw every week? Well, I don't, I don't know if they ultimately care so much about the, you know, Dominic Mysterio's personal growth as much as they do just um, maybe wanting to have a spot for Ray Mysterio and a storyline for Ray Mysterio at the moment. I don't know. I mean, I I get the sense we're probably going to get a Ray versus Austin Theory feud coming out of this, but I don't know if if Dominic has a huge role beyond that. Um, well, didn't they have a story going on? Ray and yeah, Dominic? they were teaming the split between Ray and Dominic. Yeah, and today they were just like they were hanging the out. They were father and son. There was no hint of that. Okay, so I mean, changing things up, but again, you know, this was an introduction or a continued introduction for Austin Theory, who I think has been doing a good job as his character. He's very good in this role. He did the selfie after with Dominic, and then took one with the referee. Um, you know, he's he's got good presence. He's he fits the character well, uh, and I think you're right. I think this is probably um, Ray and Theory at least having a match, and maybe you revisit this whole split where Dominic. Is tired of his dad fighting his battles for him. Yeah, maybe if he. Although I don't know how many people are clamoring for a Ray Dominic split. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think they are either. So, Riddle is talking to Orton about Halloween costumes, and then we got a video feature on Veer, who is coming to Raw soon. Coming back to Raw. Coming back to Raw. Yes, without uh, Veer, or sorry, without Shanky and Jinder. RK Bro against Ziggler and Rude for the Raw Tag Titles. A nice match that they had here. They went through the commercial break. Ziggler distracted and Rude was able to snap Orton's neck on the rope and they sent him into the timekeeper's area. Eventually, Riddle and Ziggler got tagged in. Riddle hit ripcord knees to both. Sentons and then Orton's in. RKO to Rude for the big pop. Ziggler then super kicked Orton and Riddle comes in and he uses a spladle to pin Dolph Ziggler. Why a spladle? Because I think Matt Riddle might have been looking for some 
viewing over the weekend and decided I'm going to watch Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar from WrestleMania 19 and Taz identifying the splatal. Oh, okay. There you go. go. He's probably ahead of your viewing. He definitely is. Yeah. I definitely enjoyed seeing Riddle and Ziggler in there together doing a lot of amateur wrestling. Uh, That was a lot of fun to see. And it was wonderful to hear like, you know, Jimmy Smith and Corey Graves immediately catch that move and, and be able to call it. So, uh, good match. Yeah. Nice little babyface showcase for RK Bro. And a nice departure from AJ Styles and Omos. So, sure. Yeah. Kevin Patrick was with Seth Rollins. He is the biggest threat to Big E. Everyone knows it. I'm in pain. I shouldn't have to be in this match. I should just be the number one contender. So, so the man is, the man is going into this weekend, into this ladder match. I, this Rollins character, I just, I don't want to be a broken record over it, but man, it's, it doesn't click for me at all. No, it does it, not for me either. Uh, there are, there are moments where I, I, I kind of like it, but I think it largely depends on who he's with in these segments where he's only talking to a, an interviewer or directly to the camera. Oh man, I just, I can't, I can't stand it. He should I be, can't stand it. he should be Roman Roy. Instead, he's Connor. Yeah, I, I'll take Connor Roy over this. I would too. It's just I don't know. I they're obviously somebody very, loves very, it. Somebody uh, loves. Someone I think clearly they, they does, and it. I'm sure Rollins does too. But I don't know, man. It's just to me such a ineffective heel character with like just, it's a it's a cartoon character. Well, I mean, is it ineffective if we if we hate it so much? Um, I just I I have. It takes me, I am not interested in a major title program with this guy. I just think like this is, this is a guy that could be a very effective heel, but he has fallen in love with this, this like cartoon villain with like the twirly mustache. Like that's what he is. Right. With like these wacky suits and I don't mm-hmm. wear socks. Mm-hmm. Like where, where do you even come up with this stuff? Um... You know, you know what people it. really hate me for? My suits. My yeah. suits. My wacky suits. There was a recap of Goldberg and Lashley uh, and a tweet from Lashley stating that Raw is still his show and there will be no one more focused when he returns to Raw. And interestingly enough, uh, Lashley was scheduled for an appearance in Houston in the afternoon and then WWE put out an announcement that, th- that he had been replaced by the Street Profits. So... Obviously, something there of uh, Lashley was not on the show either. So no Lashley and no AJ Styles on the show tonight. Okay. Next week, we are going to get Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair in Providence, Rhode Island at the Dunkin' Donuts Center way. Wow. Yes. And that takes us to the main event ladder match. Rey Mysterio, Kevin Owens, Finn Balor, and Seth Rollins. This took up uh, the final half hour of the show. They went all together 22 minutes and 15 seconds and a pretty spectacular main event here going across two commercial breaks. Um, Kevin Owens uh, killed himself in this match. Uh, it was just an insane performance that this man put in. Uh, so just to whet everyone's appetite at the beginning, the guy misses a swanton off the top, missing Rollins and landing on a ladder to set up our first commercial break. We come back. And Balor back body drops Owens onto a ladder with Seth underneath. Um, there are just so many moving parts here. 
Rollins lifts Owens off the ladder for a buckle bomb, and Owens responds with a super kick. We had several fights up the ladder for the the belt with another party interrupting. Owens brought out a table. Ray, uh, Ray hit a 619 into a ladder into Owens, and then there was a seated senton by Ray using the ladder onto Owens, who is just the crash test dummy by this point. Balor lays out Ray and Rollins with a Topecon hero, and then we come back for the closing stretch. All four go down after a sequence of strikes and Owens dumping Ray onto his chest, and there is a giant ladder set up between the announcer's desk and the apron. Who's going to go through this? Who's going to take the, the bump of all bumps? Owens pulls Balor off the ladder for a stunner, takes Ray, and there's a head scissors that sends Owens over the top. He then catches Ray, and Owens power bombs Ray through a table. Rollins then stops Owens from grabbing the contract, and through a battle between the two, Rollins back body drops Owens through the ladder that is set up across the desk and the apron, and that was the doom of Kevin Owens, who is done for the night. Stomp onto Balor, and then Rollins climbs up and grabs the contract in 22-15. Really good match, especially for TV. Um, this was a, a really excellent ladder match, and what you wouldn't have expected any less from the quality of these four opponents. Everybody looked great, but as you mentioned, it was really Owens that shined for me in this I, I thought he was the star of this match. I mean, he just took some ungodly punishment in this in this match. Yeah, he had the best spots by far. He is at his most violent and fearless in situations like this and uh, was just so spectacular to watch. But, you know, this also made me want to see another Rollins-Balor program somewhere down the line throughout the course of this year with both of them being on this brand. I, uh, I, they always have great chemistry, and I think Finn has since been quite renewed since the last time that they've met. So I look forward to that. But it also, of course, sets up what will likely be our Survivor Series title match. Uh, I don't know about that. They they said nothing about Survivor Series tonight, and if they're not doing brand versus brand, um, this is probably right. going to happen on TV. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about brand versus brand. But there was no mention of that tonight, like no pushing of Survivor Series at all. Uh, uh, and maybe that's... Weeks? It might be a bit you know, You've got several weeks, and I can understand, especially on week one of the roster changes, of not wanting to immediately go to the brand versus brand build, but... Mm-hmm. um. I, I'm expecting this to be on TV in the next few weeks. Yeah, you're probably right. Because if not for Survivor Series, that's that's their last pay-per-view of the year. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Big E came out, congratulated Seth, and then Seth uh, cackled and laughed with Sarah Schreiber in the back. And that was uh, that was the show. Um, I thought I thought this was like a pretty enjoyable episode of Raw with a really great main event, pretty strong segment with Becky and Bianca Belair. And the, the tag stuff, uh, I like that, with Ziggler and Rude. They had a nice title match as well. So I think with the the kind of freshness of, for lack of a better term, with the draft changes, uh, they did make this show feel uh, important and try to make it a reset for several people on this show and trying to establish your main event scene as well with, I guess, these four and Big E as the, the core kind of group of top top end level guys. Yeah, they definitely switched up the cast here. Uh, it, you know, really, in many cases, transplanted them from SmackDown over to this directly, almost, you know, as far as programs go. But it did feel different, and I thought they did a pretty good job showcasing the names that needed to be showcased. And, uh, yeah, otherwise, it was, you know, 
pretty much a decent de dependable edition of a show not necessarily reinventing anything not necessarily making me so excited for any you know new program coming up but uh i thought everything was solid yeah and i mean it will be yeah very interested to see where everyone is slotted and what what people they see as ones that have not received like who are going to be the the new projects to really focus on like how how big are they going to get behind a veer uh where lashley fits into all of this um and Edge's next program too. So I mean, there's there's some interesting things going on with, with Raw. It sounds like we're we're like mildly excited. Uh, sure. It's the type of thing where like like we want to be. We're trying to be nice, you know. Like, yeah, no, uh, you did a great job. It was good. I I think you uh, you know, it's like we're talking about a kid's recital or something. Like, I mean, they've they've got a lot of parts on Raw. It's the, the parts it's, are good, but what is what is getting you excited? Like, what 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 are you what are you like like what can't you wait to see on Raw? Um, there's nothing I can't wait to see. There, there's nothing no. Right. Like, um, what is it? What is the biggest match you think you can make uh, among Raw? Well, at the yeah. moment, I mean, there, there's definitely still like, and I don't know if we even need to be in that position right now because I suppose, like, I, I really do feel like they they just want to play out a lot of what was remaining on SmackDown or redoing what what they've already done on SmackDown to what they consider to be a brand new audience, even though I think it's the exact same audience. Um, but you know, I what maybe I look for is like some of the dream match scenarios. But you can't have dream match scenarios anymore. These people mix all the time, and it's like they you know most of the in most cases they're they're going from one show directly to the other anyway so it's really largely the same roster it's just on a different night every everyone is slotted at like their their given level and they intermix with everybody a million times so even something like a Brian Danielson and Dustin Rhodes like where where does that exist where it's like oh my god what a cool match that's going to happen next week i mean that's well, you know not to like if that match happened here, you know not to you know it's not going to be a special match. You know it's going to be 3 minutes. Dustin's not going to get that much offense and it's going to be a pattern match that you've seen a million times. Um and that's just the way they choose to, you know, make their TV. It's very cookie cutter. It's just different faces that might be inside those pieces. And and you also have to come off of Crown Jewel where, you know, your two big babyface wins on this brand were Edge and Bill Goldberg. Yeah. And they're yeah. nowhere to be seen. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine Edge will be back before Summer Survivor Series. Who would you like to see Edge paired with? Like if the Seth feud is done with, like who makes sense on, on Raw? Yeah. Okay. Well, who's up there? I mean, you got from this mix here, Balor, Ray, um, Biggie, Owens. Yeah. Biggie will probably be tied up, but Biggie and Edge would, would be fun. On the heel side of things, who do you have right now? It's Rollins. Like that's that's your main heel. It's all, it's Lashley and Rollins on Raw. Like they could certainly utilize another heel because when you when you include Edge in there, that is a lot of baby faces. I I would love to see uh -huh. Owens get like a sustained heel run, but I think they've I think they've gone to that well, and I just I I don't know if they're going to see Owens. Uh, it's like Rollins is going to be your your pushed heel. I want to see AJ Styles. Like, yeah, AJ's really. in there as well. AJ, AJ and Edge could be something that you a do. AJ and anybody would be great, but yeah, especially AJ and Edge. That to me would be a dream match. I would actually be be looking forward to. But he's currently stuck playing, you know, goofball 
next to Omos here. So that that might take some time to transition as well. Well, everybody, uh, Way has a four-hour WrestleMania to watch, so let us not uh, hold him up any longer. Uh, thanks to everybody for joining us live. We are live each and every Monday for our Double Double Ice Cap and Espresso patrons. And I want to especially thank the Post Wrestling Forum, who uh, clearly they're well aware of the, of, of the show that I had in front of me to watch after this. And so they decided not to leave any feedback for this edition of Raw. So thank you guys so much for thinking of me, even though I'm sure all of you guys have so much to say about tonight's edition of Raw. They're all but, catching up on last week's finale. <laughs> but they did vote this show 2.67 out of 10. Wow. The three, the three people who voted. Damn, that is, uh, that is low. Uh, so there you go. That is the conclusion of the show. Wait, good luck with uh, WrestleMania 19. We're back t- Tuesday with that show for Post Wrestling Cafe members. And then Wednesday night for the return of Dynamite on Wednesday nights. So that is it. Thank you to everybody for joining us. And Way has the last word. Subscribe to Up Next for their Halloween Havoc review tomorrow. Don't forget that. And dress up on their Twitch stream. That is correct. Yes, twitch.tv slash Up Next Podcast. Good night.